0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LePoint, Editor-in-Chief. Damning, scathing, bombshell, explosive. Name the cliched descriptor and it was applied this week to the report from the BC Speaker on the expenses and operations of the two top officers of the legislature. Daryl Plekis and his special advisor, Alan Mullen, spent months quietly investigating and gathering what amounted to a mountain of allegations about Clerk Craig James and Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lenz. We could spend our entire podcast today itemizing the questionable expenditures, from a very fishy retirement award to a hastily put-together life insurance plan to disappearing alcohol, a pile of trips that seemed meaningless, and yes, the remarkable purchase of a wood splitter that sat at James's house until he and Lenz were marched out of the legislature and put on paid leave. Now, the two are indignant at the report and they plan to respond. And we'll wait for that to pronounce final judgment. But they've been given until month's end by the legislature and by its uh, Legislative Assembly Management Committee to do so. Uh, But it still seems their days are done in these jobs. I thought that rather than look again at the report, because it's being worked over pretty well, We could examine the consequences and discuss the context of trust in our institutions in this province with Mario Canseco. He's a public opinion researcher who runs Research Co. He writes a twice-weekly column for us here at BIV and for our Glacier media chain. Good to see you again.
1: Great to be here.
0: Start us off here um, by setting the scene about what Canadians, particularly British Columbians, feel about their political institutions at the moment.
1: Well, there's always been a situation where politicians are ranked at the lowest uh, when it comes to the respect that Canadians and British Columbians have about specific professions. Uh, They do a little bit better than car salespeople. They do worse than pollsters. Uh, They do worse than many other Journalists? uh, uh, journalists do a little bit better. Uh, which is good. Oh, I mean, yeah, okay. it's an interesting scenario, but there's not a lot of respect. I think what we see is a little bit of this polarization that is uh, also happening in other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we get we can gauge from the early reaction on on social media to the latest report. Uh, it's vindication for the NDP. It's the busy liberals saying it's not our fault. There's a lot of back and forth as far as who you support, and that definitely tends the way in which you look at the scandal.
0: How do things measure up in British Columbia specifically, though, vis-a-vis the rest of the country? This is not the first scandal we've pronounced upon here. Um, is the public just getting a little desensitized to all these things, or, or or does it get deepening? And it's, uh, you know, it's it's cynicism each time.
1: I think it's a combination of both. I think our, the way in which we feel about politicians uh, has never been fantastic. But I think part of the problem lies on comparing what is happening here to other places around the world. And we never used to do that. There was always this <laughs> sense of, well, we are Canadians. We're going to do things differently Uh, scandals were minor and were covered more extensively, but you look at the situation in the United States, you look at certain things that are happening in other places, and it becomes sort of, well, we're not as bad as some of the other people, which I think is the worst way to go. Uh, But ultimately, I think it's also... uh, some of the onus is on the way in which all of these issues have been reported. I think there's something uh, dramatically terrible about saying, "Well, this has been going on for years, and we know that everybody expenses stuff that they shouldn't be, uh, you know, having uh, a paid by somebody else." Um, that's not the right course of action. And, and I think part of the scenario, as far as the political ramifications of this, is going to come out after the audits. If we find out that there were NDP speakers or BC Liberal speakers or Socrates speakers that were doing this, then right. it's going to be even more uh, damaging to the brands.
0: Yeah, we can talk about how far and how deep any probe should go now in order to uh, get to the bottom of all of it. But it, it, explain then the um, the concepts of transparency. And what people really want in all of this. Because I I don't see people marching in the streets going, give us our right to know. You know, it, it, it doesn't appear that that is motivation for people. And yet, we hear all the time, people want open government, want... They want to know how their money is spent. Do do they really?
1: No, it's it's like electoral reform. It's something that is obsessive for a small margin of people. And then when you get to vote on it, there's a lot of disinterest. There's a lot of people who really don't care about the issue as much as those who have studied it. Now, that being said, there's always going to be pressure for freedom of information to apply to the legislature. And I think that is one of the things that is going to come out of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But ultimately, there's the assumption that the government would work on your behalf. They're not going to be spending money on magazine subscriptions or trips that don't matter. And I think part of the problem is the oversight. You you, you can't have one guy signing for the other guy because then this is what essentially takes us to this. So aside from the notion that everything is going to be plain and simple, that everything is going to be reported, which I think is not going to happen anytime soon, it's almost more important, in my view, to have a situation where the oversight is better than what we have right now, which is essentially uh, somebody signing somebody else's expenses yeah. and, and just somebody doing quid pro quo.
0: Yeah, I think Spy Magazine used to call this log rolling, right? Where you, you know you kind of keep each other on the log <laughs> and don't roll it too quickly uh, when it's in the water. Um, is this a different kind of scandal though, Mario, in that it um, it occupies an office that is presumed to be under parliamentary uh, logic and tradition, an independent one. It's not supposed to be partisan.
1: Absolutely. This is this is part of the problem. The fact that you find on the 76-page report certain references to what somebody knows about a specific political party, that is definitely not the right course of action. You're supposed to be completely devoid of any sort of connection with the parties. Right. I think this also goes to the reporters uh, that uh, essentially cover that legislature. There's a lot of coziness. There's a lot of discussions about how things are happening. You want to get that exclusive. You develop specific relationships with the clerks, with the people with the MLAs themselves, and then you don't report on them that well. I think the biggest example of this was the Ken uh, uh incident of concern, as it was called by a right. former premier,
0: yeah.
1: uh, which we found out about a couple of weeks later, even though it happened in front of a bunch of reporters. So there's something to be said about the way this has been covered as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked in Ottawa, and, and, and I've been around the legislature in Toronto, um, I haven't been around the one in Victoria. This is as close as I've come to it um, as a journalist. Um, do you perceive it to be different than other legislatures in the country in terms of coziness and cuddliness?
1: Well, I, I I do think part of the reason for this was the dominance of the BC liberals. There were people who spent 16 years, there may be more. Right. So you start to develop those relationships. You you, you get into this rut of nothing is going to change. The government will be like this forever. Let's just make the best out of it. And this is how you get to these abuses. This is how you get people to say, it's okay. We've been signing these expenses for years. You're new to this, Mr. Plekis. Just yeah. play the game the way your other predecessors have also played it before and, and this. There was a moment when he says, well, this isn't the right course of action. And, you know, there's been some criticism that he didn't speak immediately. Well, well at they, least he's speaking now.
0: Yeah, and so that, that makes some sense as a as a segue then to take a look at the various parts of this puzzle and try to understand the consequences for it. Because, it, because I am still curious about the speaker's conduct and all of this. Um, I think I've heard it described as entrapment pretty well, that he played along with this. He played along and played along and and Somehow, you know, he, he was spending money too, all the way along in all of this in order to, I guess, wonder if in fact, this was really as weird as it seemed. And, uh, and eventually when he, when he and Alan Mullen concluded they had enough, they, that was it, you know, and, and out these guys were marched. Um, but what, what do you think it, it displays about the speaker in this case here in the specific guy, Daryl Placas?
1: Well, I think it would have been practically impossible to come out and say these things a week after he was appointed uh, because right. we were in a wobbly situation. The government could have fallen at any point. There was a lot of criticism from the busy liberals because he suddenly switched sides and decided to sit as a speaker in an independent fashion. Right. It would have been very and difficult.
0: And ho- they were hostile as anything, of right. to that, right? If yeah. he
1: comes out and says, there's a lot of corruption in this house, who knows if the government would still be there? Yeah. So I think that might be one of the reasons to to wait and see.
0: And did the hiring of Alan Mullen, in a sense, give him... Um, you know, first of all, time and a little bit of distance from it in order to say, you know, I I put this guy on the case. He spent a lot of his hours investigating and investigating, and I can then take his report as a confidant and then act upon it. So does he, I guess what I'm wondering is, does he emerge from this, um, relatively unscathed?
1: I would say so. We haven't heard a lot of uh, ramblings about the recall election that was supposed to happen because we see liberals in his writing are dissatisfied that they voted for somebody who doesn't represent them anymore. So I think that's died down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think ultimately We need to figure out what is going to happen afterwards, once the audits come in, once we figure out how much money was spent, and once we have different guidelines. I think that's going to be the major uh, victory for all of this, to make Mm -hmm. sure that this doesn't happen again. I don't think it's a question of going back 40 years. I mean, we could go back to Amor the Cosmos, and he maybe didn't expense (laughs) something that he should have. Uh, That's not going to be good. I think it's more about focusing on the future and saying, uh, we should make this more clear for people. And we definitely should bring the MLAs into this. It, it, it's, it's just unfathomable that we have a freedom of information uh, law that doesn't apply to people who are spending the taxpayer money.
0: Yeah. And of course, um, legislators have been uh, quite, um, how would I put it? Well, they've had interesting approaches over the generations with uh, freedom of information law and excluding themselves from it Uh, in the main around all of that. And of course, MLAs have to post their expenses, but that doesn't necessarily get to the bottom of how it is they're spending their money. Um, As far as the NDP goes, there was, um, they've been careful about not being too smug about this in the last number of days. In a way, it felt as if they're almost saying like, let the public have the outrage and and vent, and we're just going to we're just going to sit back here and, and do all this. They have to be careful here, right? They, they can't appear to be too much uh, in and of themselves. I
1: would say they learned from uh, the mistakes of how they handled the quick win situation. Right. That was a moment that was pivotal. That was a moment where a lot of people said, we're going to win the next election. We're just going to hammer the government consistently and talk about how they don't care about ethnic minorities and so on. I think they spiked the ball five yards away. From the end zone, and right. that was problematic, so I think more than anything it's more about we are the government, we're going to continue to do things differently, and we're not going to essentially parade this as a victory. no, and they can't do a, a ceremonial
0: dance in the end zone either in this case right to you know, keep, keep keep with the football analogy. Um, well then, but that brings us, of course, to the liberals and what this really means for them. Uh, and I, I've heard a range of views this week around um, how disastrous this seems to be for them, um, how much, though, this is also an opportunity for the party to reshape itself in a hurry. I, I was quite taken by the fact that Mary Pollack did not seem to push back at all around the public release of the, of the report, um, its exploration as quickly as possible. Uh, I mean, I, I heard that committee meeting the other day, and it sounded as if she was right on board uh, in all of it. So what do you think is the consequence here for the Liberals?
1: Well, I think it depends on on how big the scandal is. If we go back to Linda Reed's expenses when she was Speaker, I think there will be a a very big comparison between the way the Speaker is working under an NDP government and the way the Speaker worked under a BC Liberal government. So I think that's probably one of the most detrimental things that that can happen. When an IMO by-election it's happening in a few weeks. It's going to be... no, oh, it's next well, week. Things, and we're, yes, we're, exactly. The
0: voting is taking place now.
1: It's it's happening within a week. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting scenario as far as they were expecting this to be a good opportunity to rebrand, to essentially bring down the government. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that easy, particularly because of everything that is happening here. Uh, but I do think it's an opportunity for them to say we're going to take a more proactive role. We acknowledge the mistakes of the past. You can pin this on Andrew Wilkinson's predecessor and everybody else who worked for him and essentially say, we are going to be open and we're going to post our expenses and we're going to take the first step in trying to do things differently. I think that's the only way to essentially bring them back into the fold.
0: And yet that proactivity is actually reactivity, no matter how you cut it. um, They have some real well, they have a quandary here um, because it, it is going to get pinned on them as time goes on. Any auditor is going to take a look at at least the recent years, and those recent years are mainly liberal years in all of this. So if you're Andrew Wilkinson, you know, you, you, you know you just said that he has to do some things here. What do you think this is going to ultimately help us understand in the way that he wishes to lead this party?
1: I think they need to rebuild around the idea that they're going to be a more open government. You know, one of the problems that I think they had under Christy Clark was a lot of people were sort of sick of her style, sick of her smugness. There was a problem in connecting with a lot of people who maybe were happy with the way things were going in 2013, but weren't that happy in 2017. So... It's more about trying to build bridges, trying to make sure that the voters who are sort of on the fence right now, and maybe are not happy with what the NDP has been doing, can come back into a party that is going to be transparent and open. And the only way to do that is to be transparent and open yourself.
0: So if the NDP do not necessarily reform things like freedom of information law, um, the uh, uh, transparency of the speaker's office... uh, um, you know, open accounts around uh, MLAs so that we understand their, you know, their behavior in a certain way. Does that give rise to anybody, whether it's the Greens or the Liberals in the next election to make a bit of a campaign about open government? Does that, does, is that sufficiently resonant with British Columbian's to serve as any kind of a a ballot box issue?
1: I think it can help the Greens, particularly because what we've seen as far as the growth of the Green Party in other provinces has been a dissatisfaction with the choices at your disposal. You know, I'm not happy with the way things are going with the major parties that have run this province. I'm going to give my vote to the Greens. Obviously, without electoral reform or with electoral reform not happening in the way they envisioned, it's going to be tougher to win those seats. Uh, but you don't want to be seen as a party that is blocking freedom of information. And I think it's, it's really important for the three parties to try to figure out how they approach this once all the audits come in. Yeah. Uh, whoever decides that there, there should be some sort of secrecy behind all of these things after everything that we've gone through, after those seven or six pages, is going to be on the wrong side of history.
0: Well, the only thing that I wonder about in this is um, the two men in question, uh, Craig James and Gary Lenz. When they issued their statement on Monday night, what they seemed to be also suggesting was that the process by which they are being discredited um, was was a deeply unfair one. That they had um, they had reason to uh, be afforded an opportunity to respond and respond, I, I presume, in some privacy, so that this didn't air the way that it did. Can we fault anybody? In the process of all of this, or or was it the only way that it could have gone on this way?
1: I think it's the only way. Uh, partly because you would have been in a situation similar to the one that is described in detail in the report. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry. This is not a problem. There's no need to go to the press with this. There's no need to talk to anybody. This is the way it's always been done. You're the new guy here, so you're going to have to abide by the guidelines that it, that existed before. Now, Mm -hmm. that being said, I think it was a very smart uh, statement from them. I think they're being advised by people who are very professional. And ultimately, it's going to come down to the question of criminality, which is not what this is about. They can always say, we did what we could, and there's nothing here that says that what we did is illegal. It might be immoral, it might be vomit-inducing, as Mr. Pleka said, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that is criminal. So there's no justification for this termination. We had a situation where employees that were close to the legislature got a major payout uh, after a situation uh, yeah. that was deemed criminal. So it's yeah. going to be tough. I and, think that's the worst possible scenario.
0: Here. Yeah, and, and I, you can't necessarily predict the outcome in this case. But is there any way at all they get their jobs back and can operate? No. Yeah, I, I think so, – yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's like gone past that point. So now are we into the – realm where if there's not criminality, if, if the special prosecutors in the RCMP don't see the necessity of, of charging them, um, is it, are we then looking at, uh, at a payout?
1: We're looking at a lawsuit. I think this is going to take a, lot, a couple of years. They'll lot. say we didn't do anything that merited this type of situation. Right. The fact that this has been aired out in the media has made it impossible for us to hold a job. So, we are looking for some sort of emolument for our for our troubles.
0: Could could it have been fixed internally? Could Could Daryl Plekis, uh, with the help of Alan Mullen, perhaps with the help of the Legislative Assembly Committee, have examined all of this, recognized that there were things that were offside, and basically worked inside the system to fix it and retain James and Lenz? Is that going to be part of of the overall discussion you think that we have in the time ahead with any possible litigation?
1: I think it will be. But if we go back to the first three months after the NDP government with the assistance of the Greens uh, took office, we were talking about a snap election. We were talking about voting in the summer. We were talking about somebody getting the flu and, and then we had a new election. Christy yeah. Clark was still the leader. Yeah. So in those three months, well, we I could still have, have one anything.
0: if we still have one of the NDP loses in the NIMO or if if some reason Daryl Placus comes under um, you know a, a great deal of uh, illumination about a problem and then he has to step aside. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that mathematically we get ourselves dragged into an election. Do you think though that um, now that the NDP might be even better positioned to run this spring?
1: I think they are. you know there's definitely still a little bit of satisfaction with some of the policies that they've taken. Uh, I think this takes away from the three-day scandal of how difficult it is to file a form and say that you're not a speculator. Mm -hmm. Uh, Depending on what happens in Nanaimo, I think they'll be better positioned as well. I mean, they're still getting that seat back and we're in the same scenario that we were before. Uh, But it's more about trying to appeal to the voters who are dissatisfied and disenchanted with the whiff of corruption. Mm -hmm. And I think this definitely plays into their strengths.
0: Always a good conversation, Mario. Thanks a lot for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you, Mario Canseco. He's the president of Research Co. I'm Kirk Lapointe, editor in chief of BIB, and this has been BIB today. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.